Hi, John Wells here, talking with David Eaves as part of the Accelerating Open Canada program. Hi, Dave. Hello, John. Dave, uh, thanks for joining us. Today, I'm, I'm wanting to ask you a, a big, broad question. What's the state of open government in Canada? But before I do that, that question begs two challenging underlying questions. What is open government and how do we measure it? How would you answer that? Well, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, it's a... I think there's been a lot of debate about the term open government and and what does it mean. And for me, it's always been a large, kind of a large term, which which is kind of describing a combination of things. So uh, on one end of the spectrum, there's kind of a desire to use technology to make government more effective, um, both on the way public servants interact with one another and and are able to do their job, to how citizens engage and receive services from the government. Mm. And on the flip side of that, um, there's also a desire to include under it, and I think importantly so, um, a desire to make government information more accessible yeah. uh, to the public. And so it's really about the kind of the use of technology to drive change and transparency in government. Mm. So it's interesting, isn't it, that that you're saying what we've been uh, noticing in different parts of the world, that in different forums and different contexts and, and, and different jurisdictions, open government seems to, uh, the conversation has an emphasis for some on open data, some of it's about deeper citizen engagement, and others as a more conventional kind of freedom of information issue. Where, where do you feel the momentum lies with, uh, uh, you know, across North America at the moment? Well, you know, the, there's there's a trickiness to having the tent be so big because uh, it does allow those to steer the conversation towards the things that they are most comfortable with. Yeah. So, for example, in Canada, the conversation steers, the government steers the conversation very much towards kind of open data, but not really with a view so much on government transparency, but much mm. more with a very strong emphasis on you know, in theory, the development of applications and the support of industry. So kind of the notions of government transparency driving open data and and kind of open government driving government transparency is a little bit pushed off to the side. And uh, the the problem, I think, is that it's actually very hard to do that, that actually the two really are connected and that you can't you you can try to steer the conversation one way, um, but you can't actually lose those elements altogether. Yeah. And it is tricky, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, if you bring all those elements together, it's a very, very big tent. So in light of the size of that tent, how would you see Canada's program of action uh, in its membership of the Open Government Partnership, the OGP? You know, I think these these things are always challenging because nothing is perfect. Mm. Um, You know, am I... Am I completely thrilled with everything the government of Canada has done, both within the OGP and outside the OGP? Absolutely not. I mean, I think there's been some devastating errors that have really come back to haunt the government um, and and the kind of in its working. So, for example, uh, you know, they used to have a, a place where you could track access information requests and they got rid of it. And now they're kind of bringing it back because it's part of their OGP commitments. Um, they they scrapped the long form census. So they actually kind of junked all of this this important data that told us lots of what was going on in the country. And now we're getting caught kind of in endless uh, problems where they're issuing programs and they're claiming that there's data to support the need for these programs, but they've actually killed the data that would have supported this. And instead, actually, it's kind of, it becomes obvious that actually 
data doesn't support these issues. Mm-hmm. So they kind of tie themselves up all in knots. Um, on the flip side, it, you know, one thing that I think actually matters a lot that, that the OGP has done is that it does put conversations about transparency on the agenda. And, and certainly with this government, there was a real discomfort to do that. And so, uh, you know, whether they're happy about it or not, um, people now have conversations about open government. Now, that doesn't always mean that as much happens as we'd like, but I'm excited that at least we have, there's this, there's this international rubric under which to have the conversation, and it's much, much harder to ignore than it previously was. And within Canada, uh, you talked about the international rubric, but within Canada, what kinds of frameworks are there for either public servants uh, or citizens or advocacy organizations to become involved in the discussion? Well, this is also, you know, a point of contention, which is there's been a feeling that uh, there actually hasn't been enough public consultation and engagement around the setting of the goals and kind of, and the evaluation of the goals. And so, um, you know, the, initially there were some online conversations that were done. Um, I was actually asked by the government to do a series of five public consultations just on open data, um, which I did in five cities across the country, which were actually quite well attended and generated a report that, uh, you know, was uh, talked about what was going well, but was also kind of not, didn't mm-hmm. hold back in talking about where the challenges were. Yeah. Um, and I think there's been there's been a real and in fact the OGP has actually criticized like the independent reporting mechanism has actually criticized the government for its lack of engagement on this issue mm. and I think that's caused the government to go back and say okay we need to we need to rethink how we're doing public engagement around this and so they've kind of rebooting that a little bit. So David, how do you feel the conversations are going around the area of how we measure and evaluate? open government, this issue of not just what it is, but if we have a struggle defining what it is or, and that it's a big tent, how do, we, how do we measure it? What are some of the criteria that can measure a nation's evolution towards more open government? So, you know, for me, I, I'm a big fan of governments actually having pretty clear goals about what their objectives are, mm-hmm. um, as well as like, you know, one of the things I think the OGP has been good about, maybe less so in Canada, but it actually has caused in many countries kind of a coalescing of um, nonprofits and community groups in the space to make much more clear what their demands are as well. Um, and so I, I don't know that there's any single metric that I would suddenly grab and say, well, this is this is what I would use to to, to say what success is. I think it's actually quite specific. Um, you know, the needs in South Africa, I think, are quite different than the needs in Canada. The needs in um, in Kenya are probably quite different than the needs in uh, you know the United States. Um, that all said, um, for me, I think the the thing that I see as being important is actually to not lose the thread about how why the tent is big and and why you actually want to hold all those actors together. Mm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, especially in in many Western countries, uh, probably much much less true in a, in a an emerging economy. There's just not as many people who care about government transparency as say I do, um, and you kind of have to recognize that limit. Um, and even in a lot of emerging country, countries, people don't often care as much. You know, what they care first and foremost about is are the services they're receiving efficiently delivered and effectively delivered. And one of the things I think is so important about linking the kind of effectiveness of service with the transparency of government is that you actually broaden the tent and you bring in a lot of, because a lot of people care about service delivery. A lot of people care about whether the government's effective. And if you tie that to government transparency, you actually really increase the potential numbers of people who will be drawn to this subject and want to engage in it. Mm, mm. 
I think that's the, that linkage between the broader abstract issue of transparency and service delivery is a good one. So, so what do you see as some of the quite positive and exciting trends for open government in Canada at the moment? Um, you know, what I think is see is as the, on the positive side is that there's there's clearly a fair amount of appetite. I mean, the, most local governments are thinking hard about what their open government plans look like, and um, and I think it's caused a you know, at times like a really healthy introspection of kind of revisiting this issue about what transparency means and Mm -hmm. what effective service delivery even means. So you have a a lot of governments that I think have been uh, trying to pick my words carefully here, but, you know, their notions of transparency have really centered around the photocopier and suddenly (laughs) it's caused a kind of a, a jolt into the system to kind of go, actually, no, the expectations and the possibilities have moved way beyond that. Mm. Um, and so now we're kind of in this weird experimentation phase where there's there's a lot of failure, there's a lot of like things that are being tried, but at least people aren't staying stuck, you know, in kind of a technology and a mode of sharing information that is, you know, arguably 20 years out of date. So on the downside, in the immediate future from where you sit, what would you see as some of the more practical and immediate challenges for evolving open government in Canada? Well, I think one of the big challenges is a lot of governments actually don't know why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's absolutely a fad element uh, to what's going on, and so there's not always. Uh, and, and to be clear, the community, the kind of open gov community of which I am a part of, um, sur- it kind of feeds that fadness in a way that can be unhelpful. Mm. Um, and so there's, you know, what you end up with is, you know, some governments who kind of stumble into this, not totally sure what they're trying to accomplish. And if they're not even sure what they're trying to accomplish, they're virtually guaranteed not to succeed. So, you know, what I think it will be nice is to see kind of more government say, well, you know, what we want to get out of this is better public consultation, or uh, we'd like to see like a revamping of the way that we procure software and, uh, you know, make it cheaper and more effective. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, there's a- any number of goals, and you could even have multiple goals, but I'm not actually really sure that that, that many governments are actually kind of going in with a goal in mind. So in just a few months, uh, Richard Pietro, uh, one of the founding members of Citizen Bridge, uh, is going to be, as you know, riding a motorbike across Canada as part of uh, his Canadian Open Government Tour 2014. I think it's visiting 18 cities. How might Richard's bike tour be a driver? So I, I think the critical thing for Richard is to, you know, actually try to link, you know, his bike tour to things that are going on and are real and are on the ground for these communities. I mean, I, again, there's a small core of us who really kind of care about open government and in, in the abstract. Um, and there's just like, there's a group of people who care about public consultations in the abstract or people who care about, you know, access information in the abstract, but for the overwhelming majority of Canadians, and I would argue the overwhelming majority of citizens in most countries, um, they don't care about these things in the abstract. Mm. What they care about them is when they have real meaning to their lives and real meaning to the kind of the issues and problems that are in their neighborhoods. Um, and so the more you can tie it back to say, hey, we could help you influence government more effectively or engage your community more effectively by using some of these tools, or if these things exist in your community, here's why it would be better, mm-hmm. um, then I think you're going to kind of draw things out. But the more we kind of talk about things the way we have always talked about them, I think mm-hmm. we've kind of capped out the audience we're going to get doing that. Mm. So it's about moving beyond, as they say, the usual suspects, the echo chamber. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's, I, I'm not a huge fan of the term echo chamber, but I actually, but yes, you know, is is how are you going to make this real to a broader set of Canadians and a broader set of people? Mm. So Richard's uh, tour is looking to mobilise support as he goes through cities from a, a wide range of thought leaders and civic administrators, civic innovators, and others. Who who would you say are the kinds of people that would be great to get around the table to have there in a in a town hall meeting? So I think what would be nice is to have a mix of people so that you have not just people talking about what they want their government to do, but also what's the mix of skills that becomes effective for making use of the types of changes that are taking place in government. So, for example, you know, there's often this a strong emphasis in the open government movement of like, you know, software developers and people who have some experience maybe with playing with data. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of that. You know, I, it's great to have those people in the room. It kind of opens up some possibilities, but very often those people are actually the least equipped to think about how do you make that data have meaning to the local community? How do you make that data have meaning to the government? Mm. Um, and so what, what's nice is, and you know, the, the rooms that I've been in that are most exciting are the ones which actually bring together a cross section of people. Some people who have skills that are perhaps, uh, you know, needed or unique, um, but others who have a really strong sense about how do you mobilize a community? Others that have a very strong sense of what are the problems that exist in this community and it's when they get together and start talking about how they can work with one another that's when i see the things that are kind of the most exciting so that what the conversation can't just be is oh there's a piece of technology that will exist that will change the way pub- the public engages with government uh, there are elements of that that's true but actually there's a lot that's that a lot of deep expertise in how you mobilize people how you get them engaged and how you get them excited that i think really needs to show up and so it's getting those people in the room at the same time Mm. As you were saying earlier, it, it's, uh, it sounds as if this is a, a good thing to be happening at a time where, as you say, there's an appetite for this discussion in Canada with local government, with civil society groups and others, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, at the local government level, there there is actually quite a strong appetite. And I think one of the really interesting things is the, the struggle to engage um, people who I think could be quite interesting, like the like the local nonprofit communities, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the local policy people. Um, you know, sometimes there's different reasons. Sometimes they don't have the skill sets. Other times because, uh, you know, they're used to kind of being the only voices in this discourse mm-hmm. um, that they don't want to show up or they don't want to participate. But finding ways to engage them, I think, is uh, is the some of the most exciting places to be. Mm. And as you say, you know, moving beyond the conventional uh, tech-focused roles, what would be some examples of work roles in in uh, city administration in local government that you think would be interested to hear about where open government's happening? Well, I think at the local government level, um, you know, here there's kind of two pieces. One is, you know, there's a lot of people who careers in careers particularly in local government but even at the you know the provincial and federal level careers can be quite long and people can end up in roles for um, a very significant period of time and so one of the things that I think can be exciting about the kind of open government space is is just the effort it's just the possibilities that it kind of forces people to think about possibilities that maybe they, they previously had not considered so on the one side I'd say you know actually just finding uh, you know, people on the service delivery side at the local level and just exposing them to a world that for some people is commonplace, but for them may be actually kind of new and different in of itself has enormous value because it can cause them to rethink the way services can be delivered. Um, 
I think the other piece, the group of people that I actually feel like kind of get underplayed in all of this um, are kind of the librarians and the information management people okay. who, you know, are often mm-hmm. kind of seen as like, uh, you know, the, you know, oh, we give them the files at the end of the day and like they kind of go disappear into like, you know, the depths of somewhere, some archive or something like that. And, and we never really hear from them again. But but it's those people actually have a huge amount of experience in trying to deal with these problems. I think it's also a community that, uh, you know, has its own challenges. It can be quite insular as well. So there's no mm. like, this is not a magic bullet. You know, the, getting them engaged is not always easy as well. But I've actually found huge amount of appetite in, in that community for rethinking the way that they work. Um, and this is, I mean, I'm going to start rambling here, but this is the thing that I actually think really is the really exciting stuff that I see going on in the kind of the open data space and open in the open government space, which is it is causing, I think, a growing number of people to realize that all problems are kind of information management problems now. That when it comes to access information, when it comes to program delivery, when it comes to um, policy writing, there's so much information now, and it's so hard to keep track of it um, that all problems are actually kind of slowly becoming information management problems. And to and that cracking that nut and figuring out how to do that well mm. is becoming actually increasingly important to the effectiveness of government. Mm. Do you feel part of the key to that is is building bridges, you know, of uh, understanding between the conventional holders of those information management roles? and other parts of uh, the organization? Um, in part, you know, again, at some risk of making some enemies here, I don't feel like the information management crowd has been particularly effective in advocating for that. And in part, you know, to be honest, is, you know, they're generally seen as a cost center, and I think they've basically been kind of budget-wise kicked around for the last two decades. Mm. Um, and, and so there's, you know, I think there's a reluctance this is not a group of people who have said, oh, I have a new idea. And everybody says, oh, great. We want to hear about it. They said, no, you're probably going to spend more money. Let's go kill it. Um, and so I feel like it's a community that's really had um, a lot of the innovation snuffed out of it, not because the people aren't capable, but because of the the system has basically told them they're not valuable uh, <laughs> vis-a-vis budgets mm. and therefore has kind of stripped them of the capacity to kind of innovate. Um, and, and and kind of a kind of the, the more senior levels of the public service, um, I kind of have a feeling like oh this is just a cost center and we have got to control it and we don't really want to invest in it. All it's going to do is leach money away. Uh, but you know I see increasingly uh, the confidence in government is going to be linked to your ability to deliver information that people are requesting. So uh, you know I gave a talk about you know almost half a year ago, maybe even a little bit more, in which I talked about several government programs. You know the one that really came to mind for me was. You know, we have these oil sands in Alberta. There's a huge debate about pipelines. And one of the newspapers put in an FOI request, an access information request, to, to say what were all the spills that happened in the last 20 years. And to make a long story short, effectively the government came back and said, we don't have that information. We couldn't give it to you. And then when they finally did give it to them, it was in a format that was so bad that nobody could make any use of it. It took them months and months and months to clean the data up and to organize it. And the story here is not, uh, you know, how many oil spills there may or may not have been in pipelines in a region that is like the focus of a global debate. Mm. It's that apparently this government is not able to tell its own citizens and thus possibly itself where the oil spills are happening. Mm. So it has an incredible information management problem. And how is the public internationally, but even domestically, supposed to have confidence in more and more pipelines if the government that's overseeing it can't even figure out where the spills have been in the past? 
So, so here, like an information management problem that seems totally unimportant, suddenly becomes critical to the credibility of the entire, like, of the entire government, and the entire organization. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Mm. It's pretty fundamental. So, David, one final question to wrap up in in this the broad scope of the the work you do. What are you most optimistic about? Um, you know what I think I'm. What I what I'd like to think I'm most optimistic about is that um, kind of openness in government has become an axis of competition politically, yeah. and uh, you know I, I I don't trust government. Yeah, I, I don't think people should. I, I mean, I believe in government. I think it's an enormously important institution, um, but it is one that needs to be monitored carefully because the you know. Anyone given uh, incredible amounts of resources is is runs the risk of abuse. Hmm. Uh, therefore, you know, we can't just hope that there's going to be good actors who are going to save us. What we need to figure out is what are the incentives that we're going to create that are going to cause people to make choices that are that are aligned with the choices that we think are good for society. And although not perfect, um, having openness be an axis of competition politically could help drive that to some degree. So that that alone, I feel, is something that's that's fairly exciting. And I don't want to say the OGP is responsible for that, but I think the kind of the whole debate around transparency in government is helping create conditions for that in a number of countries. And I think that's what has me the most optimistic. Um, I mean, I'm also hopeful there'll be a whole bunch of innovations and better public policy that comes out of, you know, having better access to information. But I feel if we get that part right, um, that may be the most important thing that, that comes out of the kind of the whole the renewal of the discussion around transparency in government. Well, Dave, as always, we uh, we appreciate your enthusiasm, but that's uh, all we have time for now. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We've been talking with David Eaves in uh, supporting the uh, Canadian Open Government Tour 2014. There are lots of ways that people listening can get on board across Canada and support Richard Pietro's amazing bike tour across Canada for open government. Uh, Don't forget to check the website for more interviews about open government in Canada and around the world, as well as how you can attend or support the Open Gov Tour. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.